everyone, welcome back to Slower Scene. Today is a bit of a unique episode because we're currently between semesters, so we thought we'd do something a bit fun. And in keeping with that topic, or perhaps just because I forgot, I don't have a poem to start the episode. We thought we would freestyle one. Mm-hmm. So I'll start. The poem will be called Solacene, obviously. And the first line is, what puts the soul in Solacene? Is it the people or the Pleistocene? S is for sun. O is for orange. L is for Leisha. A is for Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to drop that. I don't think that's much of a poem. Um, But it kind of did introduce the theme of the episode, which is meet the hosts. Potentially two years late. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're two years into the podcast and we realized we always just kind of start talking and we never say, hey, I'm Aaron. And she never says, hey, I'm Alicia. So today we're doing that with a fun little format where we kind of quiz each other about potentially fun, interesting things, something like that. (laughs) Yes. So I'll start. First question for you, Aaron. Welcome to the show. We've always wanted to have you on. And so I prepared some questions for you today. The first one is, what's your ideal vacation location, duration, time of year, setup? Like, give me the details of your ideal vacation. Vacation. Yes. Not to move, just a vacation. A holiday. The way you're pronouncing that is throwing me off of it. <laughs> but we'll get into that off air, I suppose. You mean currently, like if I was to leave tomorrow? So let's say it would be somewhere sunny, because Montreal in the winter can be rather drab. It is rather drab. Hawaii. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. Yeah. I never wanted to live there. Hawaii, I would scale one of the volcanoes, look in, smell the sulfur, do mm. something like holistic, whatever that, there would be some kind of bathing involved <laughs> with the with the sulfurous air and it would last mm, two weeks before i think i would get kind of antsy mm. okay and what would you be eating on the vacation <laughs> uh fish fish okay no i mean like sometimes when you go on a vacation it's like well you're just gonna eat normal but, like are there any foods you'd want to try i guess as you oh, alluded to yeah i'm not Fresh sure what fish. They, i'm not sure about the hawaiian cuisine potentially the sushi involved yeah, poke bowls are Hawaiian. Poke bowls, yeah. So a maybe lot of those, maybe. Learn to love those. <laughs> fun fact about the poke bowls, because this episode is all about fun anecdotes. One time I tried to cook one. Yes. Yeah. You bought one from the store, you mean? Yes. So it had like the raw fish and everything in it, right. and then you brought it home and tried to cook it. Yeah, thinking it would just be like a fish bowl. Yeah. Anyway, your first question <laughs> is, who is your Solocene life coach? Solocene meaning, meaning like, a stand-in for your ideal life coach mm-hmm. or personal trainer, motivator, anyone in the world, even let's say anyone through history, you could have motivating you or, mm. I don't know, training you. I Who believe from? at the moment, someone that I really look up to and find a very soul-seen person is Krista Tippett, who is the NPR slash Pushkin Industries oh, podcast oh, host. And she has done a radio show for over 10 years. This is her 11th year. And it's called On Being. And then now it's a podcast and a radio show. So, like, I, as we had the episode about radio last week, think that it's a very soul scene technology and endeavor. 
And this woman's really neat because she is an incredible conversationalist, and that's something I aspire to be just in day-to-day life because I think conversations can really change someone's experience. Like, if you go to a cafe with someone and it's, like, a bad conversation, it's like, that was a waste of time for everyone. Or you just go away very neutral, but if it was a really great conversation and you can ask really good questions to facilitate that, then it's, like, life-giving instead of just coffee-giving. Sure. Um, so I learned a lot from her in terms of how to phrase questions, but also her life work is very inspiring like she's not just a podcast host or a radio show host she's a mother she's a professor she has really good connections and community that she's built through the show so i'll say she's my solacine person because she she's always tries to incorporate spiritual the natural and like the physical all together in her questions. Like the first question she asks people when they come on the show is, how did your childhood influence your spiritual beliefs? Which is like the heaviest question you probably could ask someone. So often that unpacks a lot of baggage. But she's like, she just goes there right off the bat and I love it. So, Krista. mildly like you were answering a job interview question, but I'll allow it. <laughs> your Solocene Media Trifecta. So, an mean? album, a movie, and a book that are either A, your favorite, mm. or B, the most solo scene. So you, like, you can pick and choose if you want to do your three favorites or your three like solo scene recommends. I'll do so. Well, I'll do my favorites, I guess, because we talk about solo scene recommends all the time. It's true. So for a movie, the first one that comes to mind, Poco Rosso. Okay. Of course. We have actually extolled Studio Ghibli a lot on the podcast. But not so much this one, maybe because it's a little bit fantastical and touches <laughs> with themes of fascism and masculinity that I don't think so is seen as uh, is so often discussing. Yeah. But it's a 90s animated movie about a pig pilot above the Adriatic Sea, sea pilot, should I say, and his, uh, his adventures and particularly his romance with the, the local woman who runs the hotel. Mm-hmm. So, really, you want to be the pig. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mention that, but he's one of my style icons, mm. and he just has a great personality. Great hair. Yeah. Great shape to him. Mm. So, yeah, Poco Rosso. And what was the other? For a book, I would say, I guess I'll just recommend the one I'm reading right now, which is The Tale of Genji, Genji Monogatari. It sounds like a really great book. It's a Japanese novel from the 11th century, I think. You're reading in the original Japanese, I assume? No, I'm not. I feel like I, I sometimes feel guilt about reading translated things from, let's say, our alphabet. Like mm-hmm. if it's an Italian book or a German book or a French book. Yeah. But if it's in a different script, I feel like that is excusable. Okay, that's understandable, like that. yeah. Um, yeah, it, it has a very neat aesthetic to it. It's hard to, to describe beyond that. And for an album... Shrugs. You don't Shrugs. know? Yeah, what's that record that we have with the classical music on? We have the Pfizer yeah, the waiting Fi- room. Yeah, with the Pfizer, <laughs> P-F-I-Z-E-R, uh, famously known from their vaccine. Yeah. Uh, they We have, for some reason, one of their waiting room classical music compilations on vinyl. So yeah. I'll go for that. It's honestly a good compilation. It's like epic, but also... Yeah. No, it's it's a good... It's a good mix. The only problem is that the ending, it has like that disclaimer like you'd hear at the end of a, of a commercial for an experimental yeah. drug. 
that's exactly what it is. It's like Pfizer, whatever it is. It's <laughs> like, I think it's a mood. Anyway, it's one of the strangest things I've ever purchased. Yeah. But it has good music on it, so. Sure. Say la vie. You said for me that you have two silly ones. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with your first silly one. Okay. Which is to invent some slang slash random exclamation words. Potentially they can be canonical like we use them on the podcast in the future. Okay. I'm not sure. The first one that comes to mind is butter. I used to say butterfingers as Just an exclamation. Angry. Butterfingers. Okay. Because it's kind of, well, when you, drop no, when you drop something, but then it can then leak into when you do something silly in the future. It's like, you mess up, you're like, oh, butter. Because it's just like you, you've been slippery, yeah, unintentionally sure. slippery. So I'm going to go with butter. It could be used for a slip of the tongue. Oh, Perhaps. Butter. Oh, butter. Butter and slip. Yeah. Freudian butter. Freudian butter. So we're going to go with butter. And then maybe let's think of another one for when you're for like calling someone out. Calling someone a name. So you're calling like you. You. Crunchy leaf. I don't know. You like what's something I was unpleasant? Trying to think of something like Solusimi. Like mm. we have stink chariots for cars. Yeah. Something to characterize the epoch. Oh, it's so not just slang for like when you're mad or messed up. No, something from when you're <laughs> mad, but that would be in the Solusimi. Yeah. There's no swearing in the Solusimi. Of course. So what would it be? Like in, in French, the old fashioned term is zut. Z- so we have butter for that. Yeah, butter is zut. And then <laughs> <laughs> zut alors. Yeah. And. Maybe in the soul scene, it could be something that's like, doesn't happen anymore. So like stink chariots, but it could be that's what I mean. you CO2 or something like that. CO2, okay. Carbon. Sure. <laughs> what about something like technological? Greenhouse gas. I was like, oh, touchscreen. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I kind of like that. Touchscreen. Uh, you have to comb button. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Think about it. Maybe we'll get back to it at the end of the episode. Okay. Because it's kind of... It kind of plays into another question, so you have to have some in mind. Oh, no. Anyway, your turn to ask me. Okay, I'm going to skip the next one because it's a bit too deep. Next, but I'll go to this. Would you rather never be allowed to bike or never be allowed to go on a train again? Definitely never be allowed. Hmm. Ooh. I was going to say definitely never be allowed to bike because trains will take you so much distance. Yeah. But I also like the exercise of bikes. And it probably includes those gym bicycles. Yeah. Which I think are kind of cool. Yeah. But trains is like no alternative to. That's what I was thinking. I was like, you can technically always walk bike distances for the most part. But. I guess I'll go never bike. Okay. I think I would go never train, Hmm. which I don't know what that would leave me with in the solo scene. You would live in Japan, though. Yeah, I know. Drive around. And I've still never really been on a super high-speed rail. I've been on, like, 200-kilometer-an-hour ones, but never 300. I mean, that's kind of the dream. So I don't know if I could actually Well, I get around well without biking now, so I'll say that. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. I'll go with bike as well, but I love biking so much, so it's a challenge. You won't ask the question, but I can see now that you've come up with questions that you just want to talk about. No, (laughs) I haven't. That was the only one that I was still stewing over i kind of answered them mentally so okay. ask me something um if you were a teacher which age group would you prefer and why Ooh, you being a, a teacher question. wasn't that a, a, an aspiration for a while no i never wanted to be a teacher you just invented that yeah you did you seem very teacherly i know everyone probably thinks i am a teacher because i'm always like yeah i work with kids student teacher of course student teacher yeah i would never graduate to a full teacher 
I think I would like to teach 11th and 12th grade. High schoolers. Yeah. I Younger kids, I like working with them a lot, but I'm highly sensitive. And so because you're in a room of like 30 people coming from all different backgrounds, mm-hmm. they don't really have the language to explain perhaps they're having struggles at home or they're having struggles yes. just like interpersonally. And I w- it'd be nice to be able to help them acquire those skills, but it really would take too much of a toll on me, I think, in the long run. Mm-hmm. So I think the cool thing with 11th and 12th graders is that they've kind of acquired those skills where you can really help them fine-tune their interpersonal skills, but they also then have interests and passions. The way that young kids are a bit more, you have to just introduce them to stuff. So, I mean, my favorite teacher ever was a high school teacher, so that's probably also why I... Yeah, I feel like... High schoolers, 11th and 12th grade specifically, since they're on the cusp of graduating, yeah, they are more receptive. Mm-hmm. And also in like movies, it's always the mentor is like an English teacher in 12th grade. That's what I was so thinking. I think that's what you could be. You could kind of be that cool one. Like when they come into the class, you say, anyone want coffee? And well, that's the, the thing. Kind of like, yeah. well, I, I do. Yeah. Because sure. <laughs> you treat them like grownups. And so they treat you with a respect as well. Yeah. So like, I could do a little younger. And because I like... I always will treat kids like grown-ups, even if they're very young, Yeah. which I don't think would fly super well in like elementary school. But I think it would be cool for to be that person in people's lives who kind of helps them become a real human. You can like drive one of them to a university yeah. open house or interview or exactly. something like that. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had an English teacher in grade 12 who I really, really uh, liked and taught me a lot. And I tried to do that. Like I, I was writing a short story at the time mm-hmm. and i was kind of like he's encouraging me to write and stuff so i'll ask if he wants to read this yeah and he said yeah and then i gave it to him and i never heard never heard back yeah so i guess it was that bad or Yikes. he stole it and published it for himself that's possible it'll surface someday yeah my favorite teacher was a french and yoga teacher so that obviously is manifested in my adult life froga froga yeah and sometimes we'd just be in french class and she'd go let's go up to the studio and we'd just go up and do yoga um, and she'd maybe like, you are allowed to bring your homework with you, mm-hmm. but like no one would do their homework. They would just all hang out on the yoga mats. But I really liked her. So I'll be a high school teacher. Your ideal Solocene outfit. So the items of clothing, like the garments, right? what they're made out of, and the colors. Well, as you know, this has been on my mind a little bit recently. Because I know. I, I'm infatuated with the idea of having a costume yes i think that generally speaking we have too many clothes Mm -hmm. and i really like that steve jobs idea of just wearing the same thing every day and it becoming your thing Mm -hmm. also doctor who as i already mentioned porco rosso has his kind of signature jacket and vest combination Mm. shades of course and we've also been watching recently a little bit of doctor who which similarly features a charismatic central character always wearing the same thing slightly outlandish slightly kind of this this intangible sense of cool mm-hmm. to it um but also when i have been potentially trying to make strides in the fashion department i've been facing a little bit of pushback recently from none other than yourself so do you want me to explain myself sure. is that what you're alluding sure. to basically Aaron and i have been together for over seven years so i've known this man for seven years close to seven at least sure. anyway around seven years seven Long, long years. (laughs) But for the first six of them, I'll say five. 
daily. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> you would gripe to me about right. how impractical, how uncomfortable, how restrictive, how stupid, in your words, crispy clothes are. So that would be blazers, dress shirts, ties, dress pants, dress shoes. Yeah. And this was an almost daily occurrence, which drove me to the brink of insanity. <laughs> and But then I had to come to terms with it. I had to go on a long meditative journey in the wilderness to really yeah. reconcile this because I am a very fashion forward person. And to me, any clothes can be made comfortable yeah. and be made practical. It depends on what you're doing. You're not mm -hmm. going to wear a suit if you're going on a hike. Sure. But if you're writing or if you're just going about your daily business, there's really no reason not to wear a suit. Okay. Let me defend myself in this shift because I haven't changed that much. Mm -hmm. here's, what I, here's what I still disagree with, the, the common sentiment around so-called crispy clothes. Yes. Crispy acolytes, people who love suits, especially men, will often, one, tie the wearing of suits and perhaps the ownership of them to one's masculinity. Yes. Which I don't like. And two, make the... I would say objectively false claim that a good suit is as comfortable as anything. Yes. That is not true. It isn't true. Nothing is as comfortable as one wearing nothing, but mm -hmm. secondary, if you're wearing clothes, sweatpants, t-shirt, like however well fitted and high quality the suit is, it is not as comfortable as those. Like that's that's the truth. But the reason I've come around to it is I would admit a sense of contrarianism with the work mm -hmm. from home general migration towards athleisure. Mm -hmm. And also I would say I like the idea of deliberately wearing things that are uncomfortable. I think that it, the sense of structure that it gives you, it's... I it, agree. It puts you in that headspace, right? Yeah, it's I... Like I'm not wearing something comfortable right now, which means I, you know, like you're not going to... If you're wearing a suit, you're less likely to lounge around. Mm -hmm. You're more likely to want to do something. Yeah, I intentionally, in high school, throwing it back to high school again, was when leggings really kicked off. Yes. The leggings movement. Well, they're comfortable. And I insisted on wearing jeans every day. And yeah. people were like, you wear jeans every day? And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was because of that. It wasn't to be contrarian, but it was just like, I'm going to school to sit in a desk and to be focused. If I'm wearing yeah. soft clothes, I'm going to slouch down and be like a potato. Right. But if you're wearing something structured, it makes you structured mentally. It's the same reason you might want to go to the library to read rather than stay home. Mm -hmm. So I'm not... I'm just, it's taking a while for me to adapt to your newfound desire to dress sure. crispy. And I think it's going to look incredible on you, oh, thank as you. it does, thank you. because you have a nice shape. Okay, we're getting a little bit too <laughs> But I'll say to answer the question from the bottom up, shoes that are just like soft. Mm -hmm. Actually, I have the shoes almost that I want. They're brown, yeah. leather, but I want them to be shaped like feet. What a radical mm -hmm. idea. Going up from their wool trousers. Similarly brown, because similar to what you're wearing, one of my one of my few fashion tenets is to try and wear as few as few colors as possible. Because mm -hmm. as I said before, I think I don't want to look like a jigsaw puzzle is what I said. Yeah. Um, so I don't really like color blocking like that. So, so like monochrome outfits. Yes. Um, brown clothes and a blazer. A blazer. Yeah. Let me put it like that. Hmm. And then a, a shirt underneath. Just like a cotton linen yeah. shirt? I'm not much into materials, so mm -hmm. no polyester. No polyester. Well, that's what I was alluding to, is that you will have no polyester, I assume, no microplastics. No, no, no. Everything buttons, 
no zips. Yes. I'm not a big fan of zippers. And the general silhouette, I will say, try and make me look as short and wide as possible. Mm. A la Porcarosa. Okay. Excellent. So my question for you, kind of similar, except the opposite. Describe an anti-Alicia outfit. The anti-Alicia. Mm. Okay. The first thing that comes to mind is those gray sweatpants. So like those ones that you'd see in like an 80s, like the Rocky movies. I yeah. really hate those sweatsuits. Okay. I went through an era of trying to wear those when I ran because I, I'm a very cold person. True. So I was like, it'd be kind of funny if I just wore this. But then I was like, I feel like no matter how well you take care of a pair of gray sweatpants, they will have stains on them, like ketchup stains, even if you don't need ketchup. Like they just <laughs> give me those vibes. I also really don't like <laughs> those white undershirts. Specific, these are all men's clothes. So I guess that's why it's so anti-Alicia, like no, traditionally. No, no. It has to be women's clothes. Yeah. Okay. What about leopard print? I have a leopard print scarf. Okay. So I'm like, maybe that isn't fully anti-Alicia. What about go-go boots? Go-go or boots. moon boots. Uggs. Okay, we'll start from the bottom up. Okay. I really don't like Uggs. Never liked them. I know they've had a resurgence. No, thank you. Because, like, they get wet. doesn't make any... Like, they're the most impractical. So, we're Uggs, printed leggings. So, you know, you can get them. They have cats on them. They have... Okay. Maybe a Milky Way galaxy. Um, Like, like you'd see 12-year-olds wearing. Yeah. Okay, but you're saying grown-ups shouldn't. I don't think. Okay. So, those type of leggings. And then, maybe, like, a jean skirt on top. That's very Annalisha. Especially if it has buttons, those metal buttons. Yeah, I don't like those on jean skirts. So I'll do that. And then for the top. I feel like just something very revealing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, one of those shirts, like a dress shirt, but like tied in the front. And it has to be like hot pink. Okay. Yeah. So that you would don't be. Really wear colors very much. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's partially. Well, I don't want to get into my hole design philosophy sure. but i don't like dyes too much unless they're natural okay okay so yeah that'd be it and then maybe some kind of a hat even oh yeah hat, so i don't wear i only wear winter hats i don't wear summer hats a fedora fedora okay or just a baseball cap you don't really wear those very often no i don't they do suit me though so maybe it's not fully anti alicia okay. but anyway some kind of a hat piece and my hair would be done so my hair is never done so it'd be like curled or something yeah. like creepy like that creepy <laughs> It would be creepy on me. Most offensive uh, segment of an episode we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> People are like looking at their closets. Yeah. Um, that's just for me. Doesn't suit me. I do universally think that the leggings printed. Okay, okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, why did you start the solo scene? You mean why did we start the solo scene? No, why did you start it? Like what was your motivation? I guess we can make it a conversation then about we. Okay. So. Well, I feel like to an extent my motivation has changed a little bit, which I was realizing a little bit in the last couple of weeks, in that it used to have near political, I think, um, mm-hmm. intentions or aspirations, as in not like a key political, not like a CNN or something like that, but in that I used to think the highest goal would be to change people's political um, opinions or, mm-hmm. or energize them or at least make them rethink certain things. but. Now I would say it is a little bit more of 
an artistic respite, I think. It's like mm-hmm. a healthy escape in the same way that people say um, modern cinema is great because we all need a respite from 2023 mm-hmm. or like that's why the internet is good. And I think to an extent, those things are healthy escapes to an extent. But I feel like solo scene, you can almost listen to it infinitely and it will only do good things for you. That's yeah, it's not going to like rot that. your brain. Yeah. Well, you're never going to walk well, away maybe being this episode like... Will, but generally, this... generally speaking, I think it's it's only good even if you wildly disagree with us. Yeah. Because um, at least just giving you something to disagree with. But yeah, but in terms of why I, why, why I started it or why we started it, it was just like, we don't have any resources per se, mm-hmm. save our voices, but here's an idea for what our ideal world could look like. I feel like there's a lot of moving and shaking and arguing and fighting indeed over potential methods of improving the world incrementally mm-hmm. or, or one specific slice of society. But maybe not a lot of people have considered what the actual point B is that we should be striving for. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what this podcast does is present the point B from, yeah. our, from our perspective. Yeah, it was highly inspired by a protest that we went to against fossil fuels, but it was this really disjointed climate protest where it was like some people were like net zero by 2030 and some people were saying ban plastic bags and it was very disparate. Like there wasn't, had they marched, there were probably a thousand people. Oh yeah, more than that. And it was like, had they marched and just said, we want you to change this one law. Yeah. Like, be really specific. So the thing with the solo scene is kind of something that I imagine in five, ten years, people could just have, like, signs that basically said, we want the solo scene. Well, that's why, yeah, I like using it as a verb. Yeah. Well, like, sometimes, you know, even in our own lives, we'll, I'll kind of admonish you or vice versa, and I'll say, well, that's not solo scene. Yeah. Because we, it's, a, it's also an ideal to try and live to. Mm-hmm. And what I'll say is, I think most people, regardless of political inclinations, share like feel a lot of these things mm-hmm. but they're just not verbalized either because they think it's too obvious or because they think maybe it's too niche yeah i but, think so yeah and it, it is very i also used to think it would be highly political in like this is going to be a super left-wing thing i think it would appeal to almost everyone yeah but perhaps it can bring attention to the issues that maybe come with a lot of like we'll talk a lot about slow living or like rural living even. Yeah, these things that are, are borderline individual. We mm-hmm. kind of bridge the individual with the With the with communal, the yeah. Communal. And it kind of, someone would be interested in those things, but then they could get sucked down a bad rabbit hole of like this right wing living <laughs> in the jungle, not the jungle, living in the forest and hating everyone and being very misanthropic. But the solo scene is like, you can be slow and intentional and hands-on without being hateful. And... Yeah, there's a lot of reasons to start the soul scene. Even, like, we both really care about mental health. It's not something we ever talk about explicitly on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's pretty implicit yeah, in the implicit idea. Everything. Because I think if you listen to the news or if you listen to a lot of climate things, like, it can be very disparaging. Even me, who tries to stay on top of it, sometimes I just get, it'll ruin my whole day. <laughs> But with this, we talk about a kind of an anti-fax matter. It's like, in the solar scene, there won't be 3,000 tons of carbon dumped into the atmosphere every hour. And it's just kind of like funny. It has like that comedic edge to 
Inform, yeah. but not depress. Take the edge off. I tried to kind of vary the questions, like, mm -hmm. so it's not everything is what. I tried to start some of them with when, where. Yeah. Similar, actually, to the to the difficulty we face when we're naming the episodes, because most Solacene episodes are titled with a question. Yeah. But I always try and shake it up, <laughs> not just what, 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 like every week. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that leads to me phrasing it rather awkwardly. Yes. So I'll say, when is your earliest memory? Earliest memory? That's kind of hard. Mine is this time I was wronged in school. It was a very young grade. I'm not sure when, but the teacher told us to go from this side of the classroom to another because we're doing this activity. And we were all kind of sitting down when she told us this, sitting down crisscross applesauce, as some might say. Yeah. And I, and she specifically said, don't run. And I started just like half crawling. I wasn't that young, but like kind of kneeing my way over. My hands mm -hmm. weren't involved. But I was just like using my knees to propel myself, not quickly or irresponsibly. I was just doing that. But this other kid came running and shoved me in my face and I went flying into like a, a table or like the corner of a wall or something mm -hmm. and I had to go to the dentist and I got in trouble I remember because the teacher was like admonishing me saying like I told you not to run so I always remember that chip on my shoulder and mm, chip on your chip tooth. On tooth yeah I have a lot of very early memories I specifically remember going to a babysitter's that I'd go to probably once a week or something and there being like a really cool it's almost like in a kid's cartoon when like it's a baby having like a vision so it's like, I remember walking in, and it was like, everything was dark in my child vision. I was probably like two. But wow. then it was like this one toy would like basically glow and like draw me in. And every time I'd go there, I'd be so excited to use this toy because it was just like one of those ones you'd push and it had like lights and stuff on it. I mean, what two-year-old babies liked in 2001. So I remember like playing with it. But then sometimes I'd come and there'd be like other kids playing with it already. And I would be a little sad. But then I remember the very last time I went to this babysitter. And I was like, hey, we're like, this is the last time you're going here. Say bye. And I remember being like really focused on the woman. But like out of my peripheral, just like staring at the toy. <laughs> and this is like, I was so young. Like, I don't know why I remember this, but it was, it was always with me. And I also remember driving there, like driving from my house. And it was one of the first things I recognized. So, you know, as a, as a baby, like everything just blurs together. You don't yes. know places. Yes. But it was like, mom would be like, which house is hers? Her name was Vera. And I, I like, I would know which house was Vera's um, because I was habitually going there. It's a name you don't hear very often these days. No. I'm impressed with the clarity of your early memories. Yeah. Because I, I like, I have a few other ones, but they're all, this I think is my oldest. Sure. So that's why we'll go with it. It doesn't reveal too much about me, but maybe my materialist well, inclination towards lights and <laughs> plastic Shiny hunks. Things. Yeah. My next one, how do you put the Solacene vision into action in your daily life and how can you improve? I try to be a patron at things like cinemas, mm -hmm. libraries, gyms. I think those things are those kind of public places that have largely been kind of exchanged for home work from home internet that kind of thing mm -hmm. i think those are key to the solo scene i try to talk to people to be honest you may not believe it but like when i'm no i believe when it. i'm around people i do try and be like friendly i do try to connect with people yeah um my patience that doesn't last very long or my energy should i say doesn't last very long but i do try 
And in terms of ways of improving, being more local. I always try to buy less, let's say, clothes, mm -hmm. but fewer and better in that in the solo scene perspective. Mm -hmm. So let's say that. Yeah, that's one thing that I was thinking a bit about improving Food. as well. Yeah, local shopping. It was a, almost easier in Halifax because we were so familiar with the local industries. Like we just kind of knew yes. what came from there, well, but then here it's a bit less. The solo scene thing would be getting very good at French since we live in Montreal. That would be yeah. excellent, yes. Um, my next question for you is, describe your solo scene night out. <laughs> oh, my. You're always out in the town. Oh, yes. Always home by 4.30 in time for supper. <laughs> time for kitchen nightmares. Yeah. So my solo scene night out would be go to like a boardroom cafe around 6. I think I need to eat at home. I've kind of learned that whenever I go out, because I can't eat gluten mm. or dairy, it's just it becomes stressful. Yeah. And I just end up, it kind of ruins the vibe. So I would like to eat dinner at home and then go out to like a boardroom cafe. What dinner? At home. Ooh. Some kind of like a hearty soup. Okay. I'm thinking like you made soup this week and I really oh, liked it. Okay. So probably just like soup and bread, ideally, like some kind of fresh gluten-free bread would be <laughs> ideal. Mm. Um, so that and then go out to a boardroom cafe with some pals, maybe like four other people. Mm. So perhaps it could be you and I another couple oh. and then like a single no a fifth wheel well that's the fifth wheel makes it a little bit anyway okay so just a, a group of people but, but not a, too big not a group so not a big group less no. than seven let's say absolutely oh, wow. i think four people is my where my brain kind of shuts off and then it you're i'm too concerned about who's being excluded and so on but with four it's just like no one's going to be excluded go to a boardroom cafe from like six till eight play a bunch of games, drink some root beer or some kind of like something sugary, some kombucha. Something crazy, but obviously not alcoholic. Of course. So we're going to get some fizzies. Yeah, eat some what candy. What kind of games are we playing? Rowdy ones? Um, ones? I think like there'd be a Cards Against Humanity round or two, mm. but then there'd also be like one that we all got really into, like intense strategic yes. game. And then... Like the train game. Yes, exactly. So there'd be like some conflict, but then there'd be some... Some just good times with like something fun and frivolous and something where we get to team up and win yeah we have to a round of charades perhaps <laughs> where we can just look in each other's <laughs> eyes and like use our pupil movements to spell out words would be what we'd get really good at so we do that and then we would go to the grocery store and get more snackages okay. and then pack a bunch of snacks and then go i mean we're in montreal so we can't go to the beach, but ideally the beach, but... This is your solo scene night out. It could be anywhere. Okay, so go to the beach and have a bonfire and just have a bunch of snacks, do some music, do Ooh. some like singing. Do some. Your ukulele? I'd bring out the ukulele, okay. have a bonfire. We don't need to be roasting anything. I just like the warmth. Um, maybe go for a night swim. Definitely go for a night swim. Okay. And then just like hang out on the beach until like midnight. Whoa. Um, have just no real to do there it's just like we're gonna be at the beach for three hours and then go home and have a really good night's sleep i know it's really like simple but that is my favorite thing there has to be a bonfire involved there has to be a lot of snacks involved but i don't like big meals and ideally something in nature like a beach or it could be 
a small hike. Would you rather video games in the solo scene incorporate 40% more VR and AI or have no video games in the solo scene? No video games. Really? Yeah, because I think, I, I mean, I really, I do respect them as an art form, but the world is 100% fine without them, so mm-hmm. no video games. And I just think, well, 40% is not that. You mean 40% more than the current? Yes. Yeah, no video games. Okay. Cool. I was thinking... Do arcades. We still get arcades. Well, that's the thing. In Soul Scene, there'll be tech rooms and yeah. arcades and stuff. So I was kind of thinking you might answer the former. Oh. If it was isolated oh, to just those areas. Yeah. So it's more of an experience to go there, put the helmet on. Yeah. But then I was like, maybe you think it's not, it's still bad for society. Um, to be honest, I don't know much about VR, mm-hmm. like health effects. Mental health effects. Yeah, I'm not sure. So I'll, I'll lean on the side of caution and say no. no, but I'd be happy to be proven wrong. I just, what I don't like about the idea of VR is, yeah, it in the living room. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's also, I feel very 50-50 on this because I don't know how addictive it is. Yeah, like you always same. pictured like casinos. When I picture, in the soul scene, we imagine there'll be arcades and maybe like t- computer rooms kind of thing in the house perhaps. But it's like that won't necessarily stop people from being equally addicted to it if not more so yeah perhaps leaning on the side of caution is best okay um you kind of already asked me this one earlier but why should people listen to you it's a little different i suppose this is more questioning your (laughs) my credentials but really though like why i believe that i have an optimistic but not toxically optimistic view of the future (laughs) I'm not like everything's going to be great. Like I'm quite practical and aware of the anthropological impacts of climate change in the next five, 10 years. Like it's going to be drastic. So the soul scene isn't going to be some kind of utopia the way that a lot of early authors perhaps envisioned it. Like it will be, will be war memorials kind of thing. Like we're going to have to remember those. So I think that I am, not toxically positive, but I also have enough knowledge to base these kind of frivolous conversations on. So it's like, we can just kind of fun, like talk in a funny way about, well, will there be cars? And it's like, perhaps if I had no knowledge and we just talked about it, it would be kind of annoying to listen to. But I think because I had a degree, but I also still try to daily increase my knowledge on community design and so on. Yeah. That it makes it based on knowledge that you can almost trust me. Like if it was just a rando, perhaps with no air quotes credentials, it'd be like, well, what are they saying? Right. But I'm saying you can trust me. And I think I have a slightly funny and slightly fun take on things. Wow, that is... Uh, Hopefully my voice sure. isn't annoying. I think you have a pleasant voice. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> so that's why. What's a knowledge-based skill you'd really like to acquire? Another language. Okay. Besides and then French. Okay. Japanese, let's say. Okay. And then 8B, are there any hands-on solo scene skills you'll need or want that you don't currently have? I would like to become musical. Hmm. I feel like I have the music in me. Yeah. Sense, especially percussion. I feel like I'd be good at that. I've always liked the idea of saxophone. Yeah. I can see myself prancing through a glade with... With a saxophone? Oh, 
I'm just sense. saying all the different ones that yeah. I had a brief, very brief affair with the guitar. Yes. Which ended in heartbreak for us both. Mm. String break. <laughs> but in terms of something more more practical, maybe fixing bikes. Let me put it mm. like that. Because I currently, as I said, I don't ride my bike. Yeah. That's because it's always broken and I don't know how to fix it. I feel like if yeah. there's one kind of machine that I would get over my um my distaste for engineering work. Yeah. It would be bicycles because it would just be so useful to have. Yeah, it'd be useful to your community as well. So like sure. you can help people. Yeah. I they like call them. Me wheels. Gears. Or pedals. I feel like we should speed up a little bit for the next one. So a bit of a lightning round maybe. Okay. Pretend you are Gordon Ramsay critiquing a restaurant or a person's grocery slash uh, kitchen from the solo scene point of view. And this is why I said it would be good to have some slang up your... Because how are you going to do it? Okay. So it would start with the he'd pull open the utensil drawer yeah. and be like, what's this shambles? Because <laughs> it would just be like, if you opened ours right now, it's just there's no organization. We throw all of our okay. utensils into one drawer. Right. And then he would like pull out a plastic potato masher and like bend, bend it, it and be like this isn't right I, this just isn't in right food. yeah We're and then kill somebody yeah exactly shut it down mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he'd well this is just this isn't a solo scene thing let me think um he could like have a plate and he could be like you got your rice from here yeah chicken from here <laughs> your peas from here yeah and then he would say like it's not good enough yeah <laughs> And then he would maybe open up like a meat drawer or something in the fridge and be like, how much? (laughs) Who are you trying to feed? The Queen of England? (laughs) And then it would be like bacon, sausage, ground beef. Who eats ground beef anymore? And then one more thing, perhaps he opens up the cupboards and like the Tupperware is all fall down in a <laughs> thing. He's like, I get that you're trying to be sustainable, but come on. Like, you have to, you don't need this many Tupperwares. Yeah. So that's, that's my M. Sure. I could see him just like dismissing the interior design and saying there's not enough natural light. Yeah. Like kind of opening a window and saying, my word. Or something and like brushing away wow. the, the cobwebs. I haven't been open in years. Yeah. Are there any foods you'd never give up? Yes. What do you mean never? Like, never. Why, why would I? Like, say it would, like, in the solo scene, people didn't eat this anymore. Like, but you you just couldn't give oh, it up. Oh, I needed to get it luxury. Get it all black market. Yeah. If it was only one food. Yeah. Then I could probably cope because I would have the rest of, let's say, the meat family mm-hmm. or the bread family. But let's say it's like a category. It's like you can't eat grains. Like, and are there anything you couldn't give up like that? Poultry. Poultry. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Eggs so are quite eggs. useful for baking and so on. Anything. Okay. Dropped an egg on the floor three days ago. Yeah. Fun fact. Just so you guys can learn more about me. I don't usually have butter fingers like that, but it happened. <laughs> what would it take for a political party to have you crusade on the streets of them in the next Canadian federal election, which I think is this year? I don't know. <laughs> I, I meant to research it before this episode. And that makes me sound like I live underneath a rock, which is my goal. But Yeah. That's honestly a really good question. I know. They would have to be advocating, well, they could say all these things, yeah. but they'd have to have proven a track record of achievement on a small scale. So say it's like the NDP and it's like they've been elected in Victoria for however many years a and then they've proven it at a local level. Yeah. 
and perhaps even just like I'm going to fund this. Oh, like it's that. someone who's very rich is like I'm going to kind of circumvent. Yeah. Like if you elect me, I will put all my money into this. You love the idea of an oligarchy in political pay to play, don't you? <laughs> She does. She does. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I can't actually say that because if someone on the side that I don't support did that, Ooh. I would be outraged. So it's like, it, that isn't actually I ethical. Think, I think why people like the billionaire idea is it's the idea that they, they aren't corrupt. Yeah. They're not bought by other forces. Mm-hmm. I think that's why people like And they don't have to kind of compromise. To the, whim, to the whims of their yeah. lobbyists. So like, if this person was out here saying, we're going to reform the healthcare system. And everything will be like, everything will be good. Because so right see. now in Canada, it's not um, better than obviously a lot of places, but it's still not ideal. It's not Solacine. It'd be a healthcare. They'd have a really excellent climate plan. It'd be like the Green New Deal, but like better. And those would be the two, like, um, easy to please. I'm like, right. if you can, like, take care of the health of people and the health of the planet, like, I think for a four year to eight year term that would get me yeah. out and like the ndp is usually close to this but it's like i'm not out on the streets rallying for them because like i know once they got elected it would be there'd be all the bureaucracy i trust them more than anyone yeah but you know, too much bureaucracy just it, it, the whole system would probably just need to be changed for me to do so that someone running on system reform election reform perhaps government reform i'm thinking no i'm thinking more the system would have to have been reformed uh, and then the people who get elected actually get to do what yeah. they want i was thinking about this question myself and i realized i'm extremely easy to please and the platform is almost it's not it's not almost secondary but first and foremost like i think the bar has been lowered in politics so much especially federal politics is why us is one yeah but if there's anyone who you believe yeah and with a semblance of charisma mm-hmm. it's enough for me to be on their side generally speaking yeah and then if the platform was in line let's say so was seen mm-hmm. then i think i'd be on the streets this yeah you just volunteer make a few phone calls go door to door a little bit yeah. yeah i was going to actually do that once mm. a couple summers ago but then ended up getting married so i didn't have enough free time but yeah like they'd have to be fully solo scene like they couldn't be like we're going to reform the healthcare system. We're going to stop climate change. But we also um, actually are quite racist. Like, <laughs> I, they have to be holistically no car perfect. Subsidies. No car subsidies. Yeah, it would have to be quite perfect, I think. The next question for you is, what's your most Solacene experience so far? It's a hard one to answer because there's different aspects of the Solacene. Mm-hmm. The first one that came to mind because it's most recent is when we went to Tuscany. Mm-hmm. That felt just kind of ambiguously so seen. Yeah. It just felt very pleasant, very the, the air was very clean, mm. and there was a sense of simplicity to the lifestyle. I might be generalizing here as an outsider, but that's just yeah. how I felt. We were only there for like two days. But that was one of it. And then before that, obviously living on campus, that was very so seen, and that mm-hmm. kind of gave us the idea that, hey, it would be nice if life generally was like this Yeah, in some ways. And then before that, I'll say there was this one time that I tried to dye a t-shirt mm. using berries that I picked, which is a very like unerrant thing to do. But I was just like, I was kind of bored and it was summer and we had all these berries and they're not really edible. So I was like, let's see if we can do it. Yeah. And immediately, I still have the photo of what it looked like. 
it was very purple. It was a white t-shirt that I never yeah. wore. So I was like, that's cool. And then after one wash, it just kind of faded to a to a vague beige-ish pink, which still yeah. was interesting, a neat color. And then I kind of scribbled all over it, wore it for a couple of years. And then I think very recently. It now you, exists as a cloth yeah, in you, our house. Yeah. yeah that's a very Celestine item that has true. like, yeah, I use it to wipe off the yoga mat. I use it for <laughs> castor oil packs. It's, there you go. It has, so that one, still lives. That one white t-shirt from Sears that we bought or I bought in anticipation of that paint thing. Yeah. What was that? Uh, it's like an Indian festival. Yeah. We're, throw, uh, throw paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also had a part B of what Celestine experience are you looking forward to the most in your life? Making a pilgrimage to a temple. Perfect. Preferably in Japan. Cool. Has this podcast changed your mind about anything? If so, what? Mm-hmm. Not this episode, but the whole solo scene experience. Yeah. Also, is it on your resume? I just thought of that. Yeah, it's on my resume. Cool. Because if you think about it, this is what I do. Borderline a full-time job. So like, it should sure. be on there. So has it changed my mind about anything? <sighs> Worrying if not. I think the biggest thing that has changed my mind is that I can do anything. Like, that's quite baby's first lesson of you can do anything. But it does make me feel motivated to actually get out there and, like, do things that are quite uncomfortable. Like, after this, I'm going to an embroidery workshop. Mm. And it's like, I didn't want to. Right. Because it's like, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be in French. And it's going to (laughs) be like, here's the thing. My French is greatly improving. Like, it'll be fine. But it's like you're in your head but then if you think about it it's like this is a very solacine thing to do go mm-hmm. to the library for this free embroidery workshop learn a skill commune like with people it motivates me to have experiences basically yeah. in a way that i would normally be like well no i can just kind of do that on my own because nice. i was a bit more individualistic yeah my next question is why do we make a good pair to host a show like this and how can we both improve as hosts this is a big question, but like maybe just do like one yeah. thing each. Well, for how we can both improve, for a while I was drafting notes after each, after we record each episode, usually I, but sometimes you will listen back and kind of edit out some of the ums and ahs and mouth noises. Mm-hmm. So I was making notes. Mainly for me, I know it's letting you finish sentences more often because I, I think that can be very annoying for listeners mm-hmm. when we are talking even briefly for at the same time, or especially when it seems like I am being like, overbearing which yeah. perhaps i am i would I say i am and <laughs> for you i would say like i say i think you have a nice voice maybe i think we both do this but you do it more instead of saying just a fact mm-hmm. we always say we always kind of preface it with like yeah i was reading and or like yeah, yeah i saw that and i think that makes us sound i think it just it puts a distance between it's unnecessary words. I mean, mm-hmm. As a writer, like it's they could all be cut and it would be more concise and I think more mm-hmm. listenable. So I'll say that. Yeah. And that's why we make a good pair. I mean, they're just they're conversations that we have been having, as you said, for seven years and regularly still have off air all the time. So it feels rather natural. And sometimes even like we're repeating things that we yeah. said before when we do it on air. But okay. And that's why we can cut each other off sometimes because often I'll say things that you said to me and vice versa. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like almost i feel like you start something and then i'm like well they know that like the people who are listening like they weren't here for the conversation Mm. so like you have to let um let the conversation flow as if there's someone else in the room i think there's only 
I have two more to ask you. You have one more to ask me. Yeah. So I'll say, where slash when do you see slash feel the most optimistic about society, humans, life itself? Mm. When do you feel that joy debt? I wasn't very good. Joy debt. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say in a library or in the garden. Those are my two favorite places. Garden. I was going to yeah. ask, where was your favorite place? I'll ask that instead. Where's your favorite place? Because I just forgot to write that down for some mm-hmm. reason. My favorite place ever is just like a beach in Nova Scotia, probably. Yeah, I like, I used to despise beaches. But then there was like, I feel Why? like I just woke up one day. I don't like being cold. The water in Nova Scotia is always cold. Always. Like it could be the dead of summer. It could be like a 40 degree day and the water will be yeah. freezing. <laughs> So like, I really hated that, but then I kind of, honestly, watching Call Me By Your Name, where they go into that really cold stream thing, I was like, this is the beautiful. Mountains, the mountain, yeah. The lake. yeah. So I, I started liking it. And I, I'm sure there's beaches in the world that I would like way more, but it's like practically, there's a beach in Nova Scotia that I would probably say is my favorite. The infamously hard to find mountain lake, should I say, from Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, because we tried to find it. Yeah, we were actually in Kramer trying to do the pilgrimage. and uh, <laughs> We <laughs> never talked about just, this just, on the podcast. Just with wading me. around in, in dirt. Mostly. And just like people's fields. And, yeah, in fields. And there was at one point, we were just, we were following like a GPS slash a map, paper mm-hmm. map. And I kind of vaulted over a little uh, ditch mm-hmm. or trench into where it was supposed to be. And the whole place was just covered with spiderwebs. You remember that? Yeah, that was like your that was like Ron in the yeah, it was a lot like the Ron Forbidden Forest. I was panicking. I was so scared for you. <laughs> because I don't know, I feel like I was in like there was it was a lot. Yeah. I was like injured and like I couldn't go over there. I was like, you <laughs> go. <laughs> then we found it and it was empty. Yeah, it was. It was empty. just like a basin of water in someone's field. I don't know who picked that, like what location scout was Very like, this is it. So anyway, infamously hard to find. Um but yeah. Most optimistic was probably last summer when I was in the garden watering by myself. It was like, if I'm willing to just come here every day and like water this square acre of land, like other people, like the world's fine kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what are you existentially afraid of, if anything? Is this the last question? Yeah. What is existentially? So I was going to say, what are you afraid of? Then it's like, that, then the answer would be like spiders, witches. The obvious big two. Yeah. But are you existentially afraid of anything like death? Um, inaction. That mm-hmm. sounds really like hustler, influencer type, but uh, sloth. That's sloth. Yeah, thing. I think that's it's a really terrifying thing. I was reading this 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 blog about, which maybe itself was a waste of time, but reading this this blog about how you know in the nineties it was very popular for people to say a cigarette takes ten minutes off your life. Mm-hmm. Which isn't exactly accurate, but it's a it's a very helpful thing to say because mm-hmm. it's like you're bargaining your time basically for that for that addiction, yeah, for that brief pleasure. And the person was saying that they were a smoker and that had caused them to stop. Yeah. But then they realized recently that they would regularly spend much more than ten minutes scrolling on social media, mm-hmm. on YouTube, and um, and that that's really terrifying. And that that's a good way of thinking about it, mm-hmm. like. Because we 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 watch a lot of, should I say, we watch a lot of garbage on mm-hmm. um, on YouTube, yeah, or a decent amount anyway, more than we should, let's say, things like I don't know Jubilee videos, 
the aforementioned kitchen nightmares like Ramsey content, the content mill. Like we're part of it. Yeah. We're always critiquing it on so esteem, but mm-hmm. we are, we do indulge this. That's like, we do feel the same, I'm going to call it addiction. Mm-hmm. And that just, it takes off literal years and I worry decades from people's lives. So mm-hmm. that I think is so That's a good fear. Yeah. It makes me just want to completely throw out everything oh. technological, internet-based. So yeah, that. Cool. What's, what do you have an ex- existential fear? Uh, honestly, something similar, probably just. It's also, it's also with passivity. Like you talk about the paralysis of choice. Let's say you have an unexpected, like sometimes, sometimes happens to me, you have an unexpected day off. Yeah. Your shift was canceled or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, I have, let's say 16 hours. Yeah. That's so much time. But then you try and plot it out too much or you mm-hmm. hesitate and you're like, well, I can't do this now because first I want to do this and there's yeah. a sequence of things. But in reality, as I, I kind of texted you last week, like it, at least in 2023, I think action in itself is practically a virtue. Like it almost doesn't matter what you do as long as you do something, mm-hmm. as Nike would say. Yeah. Just do it. I think for me, it would be if we wake up tomorrow and Solo scene. Like, there's just someone knocking on the door, like, here's a bunch of money you can invest towards Solocene, or, like, we're going to help you grow this. It would be to be unprepared for that kind of an experience. Mm. So I probably over-prepare. I'm, like, one of those people, like, hoarding up knowledge and ideas and stuff in, like, a bunker for the zombie apocalypse. It's like that for success. But, I'm like, I'm not afraid of success, but I'm afraid of, like, squandering it. Because you think about... People who get their 10 minutes of fame, but then they really capitalize on it and change the world. Yeah. It's like, because that's just kind of how things work. It's like Patagonia kind of just hit a hit a good spot. And then they grew to be as influential and as positive an impact in the world as they are. So it's like, I want to be prepared for that day, but I'm existentially afraid of squandering Wondering. it. Yeah. Well said. One question left, right? The organism of the week oh, is the... Forgot the barred owl and he lives in mature forests prefers to be near water or fields he nests in trees cavities but will also steal other animals nests they're crepuscular do you know what crepuscular yeah, means there it's active at dawn and dusk yeah i just saw a word in the wild and i was like wow yeah they're the most common owl in nova scotia i picked him because he reminds me of us they make for life they are <laughs> <laughs> crepuscular Crepuscular. Like I'm crepuscular. They have talons. Weak talons. Um, they hunt small prey, two to four eggs, and they're <laughs> yes, yeah, common in Nova Scotia. And they, they're wise. Reminds me of you. They have night vision, like you. So anyway, the have barred awful owl. Night vision. Forty-three to fifty-five centimeters. Infamously bad night vision. Do you see the drawing though? It is I kind see, of funny. Yeah, it looks like a thief. Yeah. For sure. You have a tendency of drawing bears that look like criminals. Yeah, that's gonna be my I'm making a cannon for this. What's this? Oh, apparently their call sounds like who 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 cooks for you all. Yeah, I bet it doesn't. I bet it doesn't because either. I took a university course. Yeah. Roughly nine hundred dollars, mind you, Canadian. Yeah. It takes for the tuition for one course. Um the a lot of it was about the birds of Nova Scotia identifying mm-hmm. their calls and their visuals. And every time, every single bird has some phrase like that that people say it sounds like. It doesn't. No. It doesn't help at all. It's invented. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like that. It probably just sounds like 
Yahoo! But we're going to have our Organism of the Week leaderboard or, or, yeah. or canon up here in between us on the YouTube. Listen to us on YouTube. Yeah. So I think he might be there because he looks cool and I like the, the writing Thank, yeah. around it. Final question, I believe, is something of a frivolous one, something of an ego boost for me. Describe your solo scene husband. Oh, my ass. Because I thought, I mean, you already mentioned on this episode, but we're married. We are married. Just good information to have about us. Yeah. If you feel some kind of tension in the air, it's it's the marital uh, it's the marital tension. tension. It's not anything else. We so <laughs> my solo scene husband gets his hair cut at a hairdresser. Oh my! Doesn't get me to cut it. <laughs> when because, I said ego boost, I thought you would just describe me as is. So no, I was just thinking that was the only thing I would change. Cool. Um, he is very neat. He's very intelligent and makes me a smarter person. By being around him, he quizzes me on words like crepuscular to make sure that I know them. <laughs> he is handsome and fit and funny and will make me stop crocheting to come and watch videos sometimes because I think it makes me... You make me sound so unsolicited. Sound so fun. And he's a very good cook, but he'll eat all my baked goods so that they don't go to waste. And he's very loving and always there for me. He has nice eyes. They're kind of grayish green, depending on the light. And double eyelashes. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Buy the zine through the link. Subscribe on the podcast apps. And we'll see you next week.